Hello and welcome to another We March On with Steve and Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network. What a show we have for you this week. Because primarily we'll be talking about Tom Deacon's stag do, <laughs> where we went to Lisboa in Portugal. If you didn't know, that's where Lisbon is. And uh, had a fantastic time. We both missed the Leicester win, which we are obviously gutted about, but a win it was nonetheless. However, a great time was had by all. Uh, Tom Deacon, I hope you've recovered from what was a rather intense, uh, thir- I was going to say 36 hours. It was way longer than that. Was it maybe 52 hours we spent in Portugal? It feels like a long time. And yes, <laughs> to answer your question, yes, I have recovered, uh, but the mental images of that weekend away will be scarred on the back of my retina for many years to come and what a great way to start and it was only bettered by the fact I was able to watch the Saints Leicester game for the last five minutes uh, on my soon-to-be wife's uh, uncle's iPhone as we tagged together on a lime scooter. <laughs> so picture the scene just going along. Uh, was it loud? Yeah, it was allowed actually on that pathway uh, with the sea next to us watching uh, Gav Bazuna flap at a shot where we could have lost three points, could have turned into one point. But a brilliant weekend and uh, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I, I don't know why this is going to be the best show. This could be the shortest one ever for us to take on board more H2O and recover because yeah, it was a heavy weekend. Yeah, I mean, I uh, when did we, we got back on Monday evening and we're now recording Wednesday morning and I'm only just starting to feel slightly normal again. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some, there's some images I'll never get out of my head, Tom. I'll tell you that. You in a schoolgirl outfit, one of them. Okay, didn't um, know we were going to talk about this, but yeah. Little, okay. There's certain I, things that will stay in Lisbon. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, which, okay. you know, we won't mind divulge any further. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, listen, can I say, classy. It was classy at times, but too infrequent. Um, we, we did dress me as a schoolgirl. Uh, we did play a five-a-side. And I think I'd like to just highlight that for a second. That was the worst part of the stag. Not the whole drinking to excess and, and slightly passing out with, with the safety of my friends around me and uh, uh, regurgitating is probably not the right word, but I did sick on myself. Um, <laughs> but, but minus that, uh, the worst part of the whole stag was being given a, uh, I can't even say the word, a, uh, a Pompey shirt to wear during our five aside slash six aside. Um, and that was the most difficult part of it and I think I remember you saying to me go do you know what actually blue's your color <laughs> yeah I, I did think that when when, when, I, when I saw you don it on I was like it, it does actually suit you oh, that's um, disgusting talk from you sir I don't know if there's picture evidence though uh, I don't know if anyone managed to get some photos of you wearing uh the, yes. the, the Naughty Neighbours uh, kit. Yeah, and I deliberately played, I, and I kept thinking, not only was it the, the previous night blacking out, it was, it was the, it was, just wearing that shirt just made me play like a League One player. I felt, and everyone else, you were wearing your Saints shirt, your your third kit, the green one this this season. Mm-hmm. You even someone shouted Perlo at you at one point, uh, not just because of your hair, but the way you were playing. <laughs> and it was very, I don't know if anyone out listening has had these moments where you've, you've you've drunk far more than you need to. And the next day you think you've got the pace and we'd sprint for a good 10 seconds and then we'd be on the floor lying down for a good three or four minutes. So mm. it was like that. But Steve, you were you were classy, mate, and you played very well in your Saint shirt and I was in a Pompey one and played awfully. 
Well, I hadn't kicked a football in probably five years, um, which shows you the level of the rest of your friends. Um, <laughs> um, but I, in my head mentally, so I had, had yeah, drunk far too much the previous night, got to the, uh, the location, had to get the cabbie, well, asked him to stop the car, and I think he sped up to uh, to get to where we needed to be, and had to uh, eject uh, stuff from myself uh, before we started playing. And I was like, "Oh, it's giving me a bit of a boost." That, um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right. And then you know, started tracking people and trying to like look for crossfield passes, making little darting runs to get onto the end of balls. And, uh, and yeah, as you said, after 10 to 15 seconds, I needed a good lie down. Um, <laughs> and then would, would, uh, just sit, pace like a, like a dead man walking. Yeah. Um, sometimes it wasn't even running. It was ma- mainly walking, stumbling. Dragging, dragging my, my heels, um, uh, along, it. along the Astro turf and then going, Oh yeah, I've got another 10 seconds in me now. And then yeah. doing that. We didn't, uh, we didn't, hour. we didn't sort of, <sighs> We didn't shower ourselves in glory. Uh, a lot of the Portuguese watching, there was even a big group of Brazilian lads who were over, watched us. And I think they, I heard one of them say, we've got nothing to worry about, about the next World Cup. <laughs> 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 we didn't. But you know what? A lot of fun. The football did help. Um, we had some great times. Um, we also played Would You Rather quite a lot. Um, my good friend, Martin, I'll give him a shout out for it. Uh, lifelong Saints fan. Highly entertaining, probably the MVP of the whole stag group. He was sensational. Um, mm. I don't really know how to describe Martin in in like a sentence that's that's. Carl Pilkington. For... He's Carl Pilkington. If that means me, means anything, mm. he's Carl. He he is no filter, has it? He? He's got no. no filter. Just says exactly what's in his brain. Also, no awareness of who's around him to judge <laughs> to judge the uh, the scene of like, is there children present? Is there people who maybe don't want to hear what he's got to say around? Um, hey, come on, he's a responsible father. He is a brilliant bloke. When he's had a couple of beers, that filter he, he does get a bit louder. The hook comes out, which is where he hooks you uh, in close, so he can talk into your ear. Uh, top top bloke uh, really is a top bloke and could I just point out uh, just before we get to this we also were pepper sprayed uh, on this stag group which should have been <laughs> I was about to come on to that Tom and people would think if you said to someone oh I now know what it's like to be pepper sprayed they think well what did you do why were why were the forces called to come in you know I don't know douse your rowdy group of friends in a, in a horrible horrible gas but um, and that was just Martin on the dance floor uh, <laughs> which actually leads me to another story before we go to the pepper spray I can't remember what he said to me now but I was stood there in that Brazilian salsa bar with Martin and Laban and I was like someone has shit themselves on this dance floor because <laughs> people started walking away from just us three and I just turned to Martin and said if you drop your guts and without any sh- without any shame or anything, just went, yeah, what was I going to do? Hold it in. <laughs> Great. Cool. So I was like, I'm going outside. Um, and then upon going outside and seeing you and, and a few others, we were, we were chatting and uh, all of a sudden coughing our guts up. Uh, it was, it was 
awful and none of us knew what was going on were, were we part of a, some sort of attack um, was it something washing in off the coast off the sea uh, it turns out it's pepper spray yeah pepper spray which the security had sprayed by accident we then rushed back into this incredible I call it a club but it's it's not a club um, live music's being played the people inside about 20 of them rushing out doing exactly the same as us coughing and Martin said it wasn't that bad that's all I could hear him say <laughs> Uh, because he thought he'd done it <laughs> some mass <laughs> chemical warfare but yeah brilliant times mate I'm so glad that uh, we got to celebrate hard and the fact that I had said for my stag do I want to go and see football to my two best men and they tried in vain there's three clubs in Lisbon so they had a good high chance of, of getting a match in but because of the old Champions League mm. and uh, seeing um, Parker be smashed his club Bruges team um, it meant that we didn't get any football but it doesn't matter what a, what a, what an, a weekend away and um, I mean I already love everyone I invited but you know I think there'll be a few people that will definitely stay in touch and that's that's always the mark of a good stag do. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the main thing is, Tom, is that you had a good time. It was about you, it was your stag do. If you enjoyed yourself, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. That was the main element. So if you did, which obviously you, you say you have, that's it. That That's the cherry on the cake. But people are already messaging each other saying, can't wait for the reunion, a.k.a. the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you and George tying the knot is yeah. not even the most now important thing. It is no. now the, the, the guys on the stag getting to see each other again at the reunion <laughs> in a month's time. It is beautiful. And uh, making it, uh, taking this podcast back to the football, it was brilliant to watch Saints get a win. Uh, but that's not the only thing. There is more stuff to get into on this podcast. And uh, I don't know about you, Steve, but should we do it? Yeah, all right, <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> Right, Tom, we do have to talk about the football and maybe we're a curse because the one week that we're not around <laughs> to watch it and certainly I'm not working at the game itself, uh, Saints go and grab a vital three points at home to Leicester City. Now, Leicester, obviously a team that are in not a great position themselves anyway. It really makes that gap between the relegation zone and mid-table even smaller. Um but such a vital win needed, not just for the, the league table, but also just for the morale of the players and the supporters. Yeah, it, we mentioned it on this pod before. It, we can do it. It's there. It depends which Southampton side turns up. Uh, and, and we did it. I mean, was it pretty at times? No. <laughs> did we dominate uh, possession? No. But did we finally take an, an opportunity from open play uh, and and get that goal, that all-important goal? And it's the first win at St Mary's in the Premier League since Chelsea. I'm saying that with a confidence, but that, that's right. I mean, that's mental to think last year is when we last won at St. Mary's. And if you were there and you were part of it, I'm sure you were feeling... Me, I wouldn't say it was on a par with the Man City because that was at home. In terms of the atmosphere, no one expected that. But just to get a win in the Premier League mm. is so important at home. I heard the commentators say that, um, I think before the game, that Southampton had only taken six points at home all season, which was the worst total of any club in England's top four flights. So it's from, league, from league two up, that's the worst home form it's of any club. It's woeful. 
Yeah. How, how, like, we should be relegated just for that stat alone, but we're not. <laughs> and the fact that we beat Leicester, and I know we'll get into the game, but the fact that Leicester are now just three points away from us in the table. We even said it, uh, good friend Laban said it uh, on the stag. He just went, how awful a Leicester that we are only three points away. And can we point out a clean sheet? I don't know how Gav Bazuna did his best to stop that. But another clean sheet. These are all important things for us to just just keep going. Because after the Chelsea game, I thought we've got this. And then to lose disgracefully against Leeds. Um, disgracefully, I think is an apt word for it. Because that momentum, I really don't know what team is going to turn up at Old Trafford uh, for, for United. But before we get there, a clean sheet, a win, a goal from open play doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. And um, just on the subject of, of the table itself, um, with that win, Saints are now 19th, so off the foot of the table, on goal difference over Bournemouth with 21 points. Everton have only got 22, so have Leeds. So a win would put us out of the relegation zone. West Ham 23, Leicester 24, as you said, with just um, three points behind them, and they're 15th. And then you go all the way up to Crystal Palace, and they're 12th mm. with 27. So two wins and you're already on par with essentially mid-table. So it just shows you how tight it is. Yeah. Things can um, turn around very quickly in the next few weeks. There is a hard running in the games. But in terms of the match itself, Tom, one thing we pointed out in the last uh, episode was about who was going to play. Because mm. for the, the, the disaster that was Grimsby Town in midweek, um, uh, there was a lot of changes to that squad. And we had spoke about on the last episode... How, who would we pick? If Ruben's going to stick this particular formation, who's he going with? Now, I did say to you, he's not mm. going to go 4-4-2. Four, four, he's going to go the 4-2-3-1 and have an attacking midfielder. What did he do? He went the 4-2-3-1 for an attacking midfielder, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> but we did get our guesses right with Shea coming back in. And both of us said that mobility, being able to have the, the presence and the strength to hold the ball up, but also have the mobility to move around a bit more than, say, uh, Tall Polka, would be vital. Now, I know he didn't play Sulemana in, and that was, that was our other pick for, for going up top, but I think it shows you what Shea really can bring to the team if we don't focus too much on his goal-scoring ability, and that is being able to receive the ball and on the turn play someone else in. And if you have mm. someone with a bit of pace, then you're going to create way more oppo opportunities for yourself and for the team. And I thought Charlie Alcaraz did excellently with his finish. Um, keeper, not so much. I think it was, um, was it Ward in goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, didn't really cover himself in glory with his positioning, but nonetheless, a great finish from Alcaraz. You can see how much it meant to him and the team just to get that goal. And um, maybe that's just... I'm not sure if some of the signings or some of the players fit the style that suits the Saints. Do you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it um, makes per perfect sense. But you, I think by having... Uh, Suleimana, uh, Kamaldine out on the, the left-hand side and then Theo Walcott. I mean, mm. that was that for me was was very interesting to see that he got a start. But yet he came on against Grimsby and looked, well, a woeful night, but but looked good and decent. And I think just having that experience and, and attacking and going forward, Theo Walcott knows to make runs towards the box. He knows to lay the ball off. He was part of that penalty um, mm. set up. So, so actually, I think Ruben Sellers has got those two wingers as he wants them. Uh, and we knew that he, a dozy wasn't going to play because he played the night before uh, for the B team. So yeah, it, it, it's a really interesting one. Maitland-Niles kept his right back place and you're thinking, mm. 
really, but didn't look too bad. So I think you're spot on. Some of the players don't fit with the system, but whatever this system is, is the same pretty much against Chelsea. We have to stick with it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a big fan of of that four two three one that can maybe convert to a four three three at times with with the the wingers acting as as second strikers, and it gives more versatility to attacking plays as well because. Charlie Alcaraz is, is what I think is quite a, a box-to-box midfielder. So he can he can drop in place of Prousey if Prousey wants to go forward and vice versa. Um, and with Romeo Lavia just kind of hovering in front of the defence, sweeping stuff up. I think, for me, that's what we spoke about in the last pod. And I think a lot of fans would concur. And it's maybe frustrating that that wasn't, you know, just gone with sooner. And why it's mm. taken so long for management to go, oh, that is actually quite a good formation and good... good uh, choice of players to to complement each other but now we've got it now we see it can work I think we have to just start sticking with what works going forward because there's no time for trial anymore there's no time for experimentation it just has to be what works what's going to get us points I don't think Saints fans would care if it was one nil scrappy wins well, a handful of them between now and the end of the season just to see us over the line and not playing liquid football and scoring two or three or four in a game. I think, you know, just getting, just scraping by one nils, two ones um, would, would be, would still be magic. I, I know that this sounds highly controversial, but there are Saints fans I've heard that actually in many respects want us to go down to to stop kicking this can, metaphorical can, down the road and not tackling the issues of, of fundamentally what's wrong with the club and this bursting squad of average. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, the skill level's there, but really we're average. We're average team. Spent hundred and over 100 million on players. Some people would like to see us go down. As and I'm sure this a lot of club fans do this. They're kind of like, Oh, I want us to see us go down. So we just, we start again. Now, I am not one of those people. I am, let's stick in the Premier League. Otherwise, we may never be back in the Premier League. It's not a given that you go down and bounce straight mm-hmm. back up again. But whatever is going to get us in the last 13 games to keep that Premier League survival is all we need to worry about right now. And we'll tackle the next problem of going forward. What is our, our formation? Even with Ralph, it was are we going to play five at the back or are we going to play this? Uh, he wants to play three at the back. Nathan Jones came in. I want to do this. The players don't want to play that formation. This setup, uh, if it's going to get us Premier League survival, let's stick with it and then work out which players are staying and going at the end of the season if we have Premier League survival to know that we're pushing on. Otherwise, next season, if we do survive, it's going to be the same again, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Uh, another positive bit of news is that uh, Charlie Alcaraz isn't set for a spell out on the sidelines after needing a bit of treatment following his um, his knee slide uh, celebration after the goal. And that's something. I, d- I don't know if you're a fan of a knee slide, Tom, when, uh, mm. when you were playing. I mean, I normally played on Astro or on that 5G style picture, so that just hurt if you try to knee slide on that. But... It does lead to injury and so many players do it. It feels like that is the, other than the pointing to your head, the temple thing that a lot of players do it now. Basically, (laughs) a knee knee slide is is the go-to celebration, it feels, for Premier League players. And um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, I think, openly said quite some time ago that the reason his career was cut quite short and why he was out so much injured in his Manchester United days was because of that knee slide in the 1999 final. 
after mm. he scored. Um, he said he, he said as he slid, he heard he felt something kind of pop or go. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then his his career was kind of curtailed slightly in terms of of, of never really having a, a a continuous run fit. Um, so yeah, I do wonder that sometimes why why players choose to do it in the moment. Obviously, you're just like oh, I want to you know get all this emotion out and celebrate, but and also the ground staff must hate it. <laughs> yeah, think they about must the get poor vexed. ground staff, Steve. <laughs> I mean, they've worked so hard to keep that that quality of of turf going, and then all of a sudden you're just seeing a big a big slide going across with two trenches dug from the the toes of your boots. Well, I mean, it was bad enough when we do any sort of like entertainment uh, at halftime or a penalty shootout. They hate, they hate a penalty shootout, don't they? They're mm. not big fans of that. So uh, yeah, you're, you're spot on, mate. They um, they wouldn't be happy with it at all. But I'm pretty sure after Alcaraz scores the goal, goes for that knee slide, um, it's actually... It's, I think the real culprit is Theo Walker. He jumped on his back and sort of pulled him back down to the ground. And I think that was a tactical move from Theo Walker to make sure he gets a starting uh, <laughs> 11 place <laughs> against United. If you haven't seen it, watch it back. He actually takes him down. Alcaraz is like, what are you doing on my back? <laughs> I know I've just scored. And Theo's like, just injure yourself, mate. Injure yourself. <laughs> so it's backfired, Theo. Uh, will you be in the, the starting lineup against United? We'll have to wait and see. But you know, mentioned um, earlier about the league table. Um, Steve, I think it pretty much goes up to twelfth uh, place um, in in terms of who could be in that relegation fight. And because I look at it, and Everton have played one more game uh, more than Southampton, I, I'm, I'm adamant it goes up to Crystal Palace. So that is, you know, eight teams that are sort of fighting for survival. And for the first time, a, a result that Southampton got. Bournemouth lost. You know, Everton didn't get any points. It, it, everyone did exactly what they need to do: lose when we win, and that's that's simply what we have to hope for. And it's it's gonna it's gonna be so up in the air till the to the end of the season. All right, Steve. So uh, we have spoken about Leicester City game. We didn't talk enough about the influential player for Leicester City if they want to stay up, but that might help you with. This week's Saints Trivia of the Week, Lisboa style. <clears throat> so, Steve, here we go. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you a player, okay? Mm-hmm. He started his career at Southampton in 1988. Now, for those that cannot see Steve's face, actually, only I can right now. There is a face of fear. But don't worry. I mean, I wasn't born in 1988, so already I, before my time. I couldn't care less, Steve. This is not the question, okay? Five foot ten, this player, okay? Mm-hmm. Started his youth career in 1984 to 1988. Then he started breaking in to the Saints team, okay? 169 appearances for Southampton, 19 goals. He then moved to Middlesbrough, had a loan spell at Barnsley, Bristol City. Then Darlington is where he ended his career. Now commentates part of various setups for uh, football teams that he has played for, Middlesbrough being one of them. His surname has a connection with Leicester City's lineup from the match against Southampton. Take your time. So what, what, when did he, you say his youth career went up to 1988. So his professional careers from 1988 onwards. Yes. So he was at Southampton from 1988 
1997, 169 appearances, 19 goals. So his middle name is Stanley. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And his last name has a link to someone in the Leicester squad from the weekend. Yeah. Is is his last name Inia Nacho? (laughs) (laughs) Andy Inia Nacho. Uh, No, uh, it is Uh, not. But... uh, he played a lot of games in the in the Premier League for Southampton, but but, but think of if Leicester City are going to stay up. There's one player that stands out for them, and this is what made me head towards this trivia. The okay. player you are looking for is called what, Steve? Um, the surname. Well, should we say Madison? Because that's got to be the player that Leicester rely on the most, right? And you would be correct. Neil Madison is the player uh, that I wanted you to get um, and uh, just jogged my memory. A classic, a Saints legend in many respects. Uh, there you go. Congratulations. Do you know, do you know what? Never, never heard of him. Um, every day is a school day. Steve. Every day is a school day. And what I, But what I did learn over the weekend that we were away is how you can almost identify any player whose career was prominent in the 90s just from a picture of their face. Like I, or even even quite a long shot to be fair from like full body from across the side of the pitch. I've never seen anyone <laughs> j- just take such pride in knowing. And there was people you were shouting out that I'd never heard of. I honestly, maybe my time's a bit a bit later. Maybe we're going late nineties, mostly two thousands is when I would be able to probably guess most players from. But you were coming out with some stonkers. Um, and and I was I was in awe, should we say, Tom, of, oh, uh, of, of your sheer knowledge of, of of mediocre players from the nineties. Wow! How dare you! I shouted out Mark Draper at one point, and uh, you were like, "Who?" Uh, Mark Draper played for Southampton. Thank you. He moved. Big player for Aston Villa. His face popped up in his Villa kit, and I was like, "That's Mark Draper. He played at Saints." End of. There was quite a few Southampton connections um, to the players that have been shown. Like Kevin Richardson came up at one point. He played at Southampton, mate. This is this is nineties. Uh, Just show me a picture, mate. I collected stickers. End of. But I'm glad you now know who Neil Madison was because at some point you may even have to interview him on pitch side. <laughs> uh, but the beauty of that is, is someone will give me a dossier and a sheet with, <laughs> <laughs> and a profile with some questions on it. So you know. <laughs> Uh, that's the Saints trivia of the week not much is going on and there has been so many matches against Man United I could have looked towards that but I thought we'd go with Madison get it out of the way and um, hopefully uh, Leicester will plummet in terms of their performances from now on and then we won't have to worry about them fingers crossed now we do obviously have to look ahead to our our next game uh, which is on Sunday um, a Sunday match in the Premier League away at Old Trafford to Manchester United. Now, when United came to the Saints earlier, or very early in the season, actually, um, they got a 1-0 win thanks Mm. to Bruno Fernandes. Um, Many on the day saying, you know, Southampton were unlucky not to get something out of that game. I very much think that that's the case. United just took one of their their chances clinically. Um, And Southampton played relatively well on that day. I I think United have turned a, a massive corner since the World Cup, Saturday gone or Sunday gone uh, aside. Um, and if people don't know, where have you been? But a, a 7-0 drubbing away at Liverpool um, has almost led the back pages for the last couple of days. And people may say, you know, that's a good time for Saints to kind of jump on the, the, the wagon of hurt uh, for United. But I don't know about you, Tom, I'm, I'm not particularly confident. 
No, I think when we last played United, uh, for the second half, I was sat next to the legend that is Nigel Adkins, um, and United were playing in that vile, uh, bright green oh, kit. Awful kit. Oh. I don't think they've played in it since. It's, it's, oh. it's disgust- Who chose that? It- you, know when, you know when manufacturers like pick a kit? <laughs> you just think, what? Why? Who has given that the sign off? There are oh, some yeah. awful they'll, kits out there. They'll love that one. No, they won't. It looks like the pitch. Um, Rashford was not the Rashford that is currently the Rashford with, we, we know and adore as England fans. However, uh, Nigel Adkins wasn't massively impressed with United. It was Casemiro's debut, I think, if he got on the pitch that day. Uh, he just signed. Uh, Ronaldo popped on, did absolutely nothing. And even Adkins was like, he doesn't look like he's very happy. So, it, I, and we had chances. Che Adams, I remember, had a, an opportunity. And it was one of those where we felt like, Blimey, we've we've uh, we've let some points go here. However, we were on a good run. I think we're very inconsistent. And if we play like we did against Le- Leicester, I mean, oh my word! If they had got a shot on goal, it w- we wouldn't have won that game. So I think with United, they'll see us as a as an opportunity to get back to winning ways. Um, but I am confident that we won't crumble, um, and and I think we can put in a, a good performance. But whether we win or not, that's, that's, that's yet to be seen. I think you have to sometimes look at certain games, and I don't. I never think of writing uh, matches off necessarily, but almost looking at it from a realistic point of view. With Southampton's position currently, it is all about just gaining incremental points to ensure safety, really. And then you kind of look ahead at who there is in in the Premier League at home. You've got Brentford next. Now, they are having a, a great season by their standards mm. after, sorry, Brentford after the Manchester United game. And they're having a great, a great season by their standards. But that is an opportunity at home to take some points. West Ham in early April away, they're kind of torrid, really, at the London Stadium. And they're down there in the mixer. That's another opportunity. But in between that, you've got United this Sunday. You've got Spurs at home You've then got City in early April as well. But then you go into Palace and then Arsenal. So it feels like our remainder of the season is one game. It's like, you know, when actors say one for you and one for me, like I'll do one for the studio and I'll do one for me, like a passion project. It's almost like that's what Saints have got in terms of like, you've got to face one of the top teams and you're probably not going to get anything. And then you've got to face one team around you in the mixer. And that's the opportunity to take something for yourself, really. Mm. Um, And... That's maybe the only fortunate bit of the run-in is there doesn't seem to be a cluster of games because we already had that, I think, a few weeks ago where there was a few games that we should have taken a few more points from. But it seems to be United, Brentford, and then you've got... Let me just have a little look because I had it here. United, Brentford, Spurs, West Ham, City, Palace, who are 12, then Arsenal, then Bournemouth, then Newcastle, then Forest, then Fulham are what, sixth at the moment or seventh, mm. and Brighton, and then we finish to Liverpool. So it, we have to almost go, you know, Sunday might be a bit of a given, and then we just have to look ahead to go to Brentford or take Brentford on at home and try and, you know, beat them. Because I think United are going to be, their fans are going to be absolutely baiting for blood after getting Liverpool, drubbed by Liverpool yeah. and um, and they're going to want to want United to absolutely tear Saints apart just to make a statement to go, you know what, that was a little blip in the road um, and it, it might be a long afternoon for Saints fans. Yeah, it might be a long afternoon. What, what can we... T- All right, to say um, we're pessimistic that we're not going to get the win if we can snatch a draw somehow um, 
like maybe a Prousey, not a penalty, a Prousey free kick uh, from outside the box would be absolutely delightful. Walk away with a one-all. I, can I see it happening? Potentially, but we'd have to play lights out like we've not done since the Chelsea game. And yet you think about it and you're like, well, we did it against Chelsea, but they haven't been on the run and the form that, that United have. So I think it's doable, but I wouldn't want to get absolutely tanked, like absolutely smacked about and lose all confidence going mm-hmm. into that Brentford game. So how do you, as Ruben Sellers, line, set the team up like, lads, hey, it doesn't matter if we lose, but it's just about how much you lose by. I mean, that, that's not the right positivity or the sentiment that you need to go into this game. Yeah, Tom, I don't think that any team will go into a fixture thinking that they are going to lose. And we, we've seen that anything can happen in the Premier League. United's first two games of the season, they were getting battered by Brighton and Brentford. Um, so although my humble opinion would be mm-hmm. it's it's slightly pessimistic and it, I, I wouldn't expect to get anything from the game. I'm not saying that can't happen. A bonus is fatigue because United have Real Betis in the Europa League on the Thursday night. So they've got a short turnaround. Saints will have a bit more recovery and and preparation time, which could, which could be key. We've seen it in matches gone by when teams play on a, on a Wednesday or a Thursday and then have a Saturday or a Sunday game. You know, they have to make some changes, players can get injured in, in Europe and they won't have, I mean, Rashford could, could go off and then they're losing their most potent attacker. So maybe we can't judge, what's going to happen until until Friday morning or, or Saturday afternoon and sit and see what the, what the squads are looking like. Um, but you, I know you, you want to talk about penalty takers. If there is an opportunity at Old Trafford, mm. who's stepping up to take that? Um, Prowsey had one against Leicester and it was saved. You know, not every penalty goes in. We saw in the Champions League uh, yeah, on, uh, on Tuesday night with Kai Havertz against Borussia Dortmund. Couldn't care less about Kai Havertz, mate. I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> listening to Chelsea fans be irate about Kai Havertz needs to go and we need to sell him. No, uh, it's just the fact that Prousey does miss a fair few penalties. He is fantastic at free kicks. He even said in an, it, kind of jokingly after the, I don't even jokingly is the right word, but with a bit tongue in cheek that he prefers free kicks, right? So if Prousey, and he just always puts it in the same spot, Ward, the Leicester keeper, just had to do a little bit of homework. He's probably going to go there. And that's exactly what happened. The question is, who would step up in, instead of him? We don't have Danny Ings anymore. He was the more frequent penalty taker. And he wasn't even that great at the penalties. So who steps up? It has been talked about a lot on Twitter. If you look back to the Sheffield Wednesday penalty shootout, uh, we did have uh, some very good uh, penalty takers that night. Maitland-Niles stepped up. Theo Walcott, Diallo, uh, in a previous penalty shootout, he always takes one. But he's not necessarily going to be on the pitch. So Steve Forbes, who are you putting in? Prousey doesn't want it. Who are you putting in to step up and bury it? Gavin Bazzuni. Um, you know what? I haven't seen enough of these players take penalties, so I really wouldn't be able to say um, who I think should be taking it ahead of Prousey. I think Prousey, with his mentality and leadership, doesn't deserve to have penalty duties taken away from him unless he genuinely doesn't want to have the penalty duty. I think everyone misses penalties. There's, there's very few players that have gone their careers either not having missed one or only having missed one or two. Even if you look at Southampton greats like... Matt Letizia missed one, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, it, yeah, he, he missed one. And I, I, 
just to, to, I will mention Kai Havertz, the fact that Kai Havertz missed one and then got a retake and stepped up confidently to do it again. I think that's what I would say. Prousey has got that leadership quality yeah. where it doesn't matter. But if you, if he's not feeling that, then someone else should step up and take that responsibility away from him. Yeah, and uh, there probably are players that would. I know on social media, people are backing Ainsley Maitland-Niles as as being a a really good penalty taker. Again, I've not seen enough of his penalties. When you see the odd clip here and there, like anyone can, I say anyone, we definitely couldn't at that five-a-side in Lisbon um, when we had a little penalty shoot out at the end. Um, I could barely walk towards the ball. Um, But I think any professional footballer can absolutely rifle a penalty home and make it look amazing you know i mean mm. harry Maguire did it uh for, for england um and and made it look sensational and then isn't hasn't been a particularly great player or, or shown great leadership qualities um at times for for manchester united so i think that you know if prowsey wants to retain it if he thinks you know what i'm the captain of this team i'm the set piece taker Yes, I might miss the odd one or two, but I can. I've still got the mental strength to be able to step up to that ball and believe that I can score. Uh, that that's all right for me. I, yeah. I, I, that, that that doesn't matter to me at all. Um, I, I'm also a fan of just absolutely blasting it down the middle, and I don't know why more players don't do it. Now I get that the the closer you get to a corner, it's harder for the keeper to reach, but the accuracy you need to get that, and I know they're practicing a lot or a fair amount to be able to do that. And they are professional football players. But surely when you look at Frank Lampard's penalty record and he was great, how many did he absolutely wallop down the middle? (laughs) Because the keeper will nine times out of 10 dive. And even if they don't dive and you've absolutely hoofed it, I mean, it could ping off them and go in. They could, they could miss it because of the pace of the ball. I don't know why people just don't do that more often. Yeah, it, it's fair. I mean, that's what Ricky Lambert was just an incredible penalty taker as well for Southampton, just absolutely buried them, um, hit them as hard as possible so that even if the keeper does get a hand to it, they need two hands, you know what I mean, to, yeah. to stop it. Um, I, I think that uh, Prousey, if Prousey wants to take the penalty, let him keep taking him until he decides he's seen someone in training that, that hits the ball better than him. Mm. Um you could put Charlie Alcaraz. Alcaraz hit the ball pretty sweetly. He took it first time, took it early against uh, the Leicester goalkeeper Ward. So maybe he fancies it, but hey, he, he leads uh, by example, does Prousey. So so fine. If, if you're saying let's have Prousey still take him, I'll say that as well, Steve. Um, Tom, it's about that time where we've probably ran out of stuff to say. Um, no. Well, yeah, that's why I said it. No, it, it isn't. There's one more thing, Steve, that What's we that? need to discuss. And that's Darren Bent chirping up about the fact that James Ward-Prowse, the man that oh, we're debating whether he should uh, continue to take penalties, uh, he should leave. That's his words. If Saints go down, uh, Newcastle or Tottenham should come in for him. What a dirty mouth he's got. <laughs> <laughs> the question was was probably posed uh, to to Darren Bent of what should Prowse do or what should Will Prowse do? He should if... mind his own business. That's what Darren Bent should do. Mind your own business, Darren. <laughs> if if and we obviously don't want this to happen, but if Southampton do get relegated, can you can you? We, I think we've talked about this before, but can you see Prowse staying? 
I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there would be various things. Look, when West Ham came in for him, Southampton reportedly wanted 50 million for Prowse. And even in my head, I'm like, to a lot of teams, they're like, he's, that's 50 million. That seems over the top. But what he is for Southampton, the amount of appearances, he's overtaking Jason Dodd, the goals he scores, the free kicks, he's so vital for us to have any chance of surviving. He never misses a minute of football, pretty much. Mm. He's invaluable. But if Prousey, I mean, he's done it. He's, his acts of service for Southampton have been, you know, incredible. So therefore, if it would keep us up and somehow manage to tackle the wage bill, etc., for going down to the champ, maybe, maybe I, I could accept it. But it depends whether the club are able to say to Prowse, look, we've gone down, but we're keeping all of these players and we're, mm. we're hoping to bounce back again. I mean, he's got a contract at the end of the day and he's got a very well paid contract. So it, it, maybe it would come down to the financial side of, of the club making a decision rather than Prowse or certainly putting that out in, into the media. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily negatively affect his reputation with the with the fan base. Um, he would clearly, I'm sure, love to stay at Southampton if they stay up. You know what I mean? If, mm. if if Saints remain in the Premier League, I'm sure it's probably not even a second thought to him about I'm going to go somewhere else. And we've seen it at multi- multiple times, uh, countless times over the years with players at, at mid to lower uh, table clubs who get an opportunity to move elsewhere and, and potentially put themselves on a bigger stage, face face European opposition as well, um, play in, in, in the Champions League, you know, maybe further their international career because they're playing at a, a more elite stage. Um, but I don't think certain clubs would be a good move for Prowse in that regard because Darren Bent was saying Newcastle or Spurs. Now, yes, Newcastle will uh, probably be a powerhouse to come with with the financial backing that they have, and they might be able to offer Prowse an absolutely ridiculous salary where he's thinking, well, that is that's financial security for my family and their family and their mm. family's family forever because of because of the amount of money that they're they're throwing um but i do i wouldn't put them in the same bracket as a as a liverpool or a city or a a united and but but, but there's more a chance of him getting in that team you know you got pierre and hoybier that, that's at tottenham there's that connection that they've played alongside each other they they understand the game he would be far better suited to going to Tottenham. Well, I was going to, I was going to move on to that. I don't think Newcastle would necessarily be the right step. Um, also, if you're maybe probably we just wouldn't want to move to the Northeast as well um, <laughs> as, as another part as well. At least Tottenham's not particularly, or, 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 Tottenham's not particularly that far away. Um, and, you know, they have an excellent stadium and, and great facilities. And, but again, it's like, it's Spurs, isn't it? Like Spurs really aren't going to go and win the Premier League. Yes, they're in Europe this season. Are they going to reach the Champions League next year? Is um, Kane going to stick around? There's many reports about him going. I yeah. Mean- so you just think like it is probably a bigger club, but he's on a decent salary at Southampton, even if they upped it by 10, 20 grand a week. Is that really going to be the be all and end all? Um and, and, and for Prowse, it's about being in the shop window. And if Saints keep their Premier League status, again, he's, he's the captain. Um, he might even be allowed to continue taking penalties. Um, he, he, he's got the free kick opportunity. And will hopefully the club will be able to say to him, look, you're a highest paid player. We value you. This is our vision. This is the manager that we're going to get in if Ruben doesn't have it. 
are you happy with that? That mm. he gets he's the number one player on that team sheet. Yeah. You won't get that anywhere else he goes. No, very much so. And and we've seen that the grass isn't always greener. We've seen with, with, with Danny Ings as well a couple of years ago, could have cemented himself as an absolute legend at the club, but chose to 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 get a move away. Um Prowse doesn't strike me as that same sort of character as well, which is a, which is a big factor too. And he might be, you know, a creature of habit and comfort where he just likes his life at Southampton and on the South Coast and and maybe just getting a move to a, a so-called bigger club isn't the be-all and end-all for him. I do think Premier League survival is, is a key factor. And I think going down, there could be a financial implication for the club because the amount that they pay him per week and, and what they could recoup from from selling him. Obviously, his, his market value will go down as it always does with any club that's relegated their star players. If they're worth 50 million in the Premier League, they might be worth 30, 35 in the championship. So that that could play a factor. The decision might be out of his hands, but he still has got a contract. So really he doesn't have to move if he doesn't want to um, at the end of the day. Um, and there is maybe the other factor of he might see it as if they go down where there's no guarantee, as you mentioned earlier, of coming back up. Uh, East, what, 20, 28, 29, Prowse now? Mm, yeah, the Prowse And this is something that we said in previous episodes as well, is probably one big contract left. Like if you're going to get a move and you're going to sign a, a four or five-year deal somewhere else, that's probably the last one you're going to get when you're approaching your, your 30s. So I think really for Saints fans, it's, it's cross your fingers, hope for Premier League survival and that Prowse can, can lead you there to make sure you, you've got that status for another year. And then I almost think it's a no-brainer because the only way I can see him leaving is if Saints get relegated. Yeah. And I think by discussing it, talking about it, we've talked about the elephant in the room with Prowsey potentially going and these Darren Bent slurs. Um, yeah, I'll give it maybe the fact that he got asked it, fine. He should have actually said no comment and we wouldn't be discussing it on this podcast right now. But yeah, we can all sleep a little easier. Hey, 13 more games to go with Prowsey as our captain and hopefully keeping that Premier League status and um, we'll worry about the rest when it comes, mate. Yeah, very much so. Well, we have got a few days. What are we now? Wednesday. So we've got a couple of days to psych ourselves up for the match on Sunday. Um, I'll be working at Southampton for the game uh, with Saints Live. Are you going to be watching it? You may be making a trip up to Manchester at <coughs> yeah, any point I'm, soon. When people listen to this podcast on Thursday, I will be heading to Manchester. I'm following the snow. That's what I'm doing. I'm following the snow. I'm there until Saturday late. In the evening, and I'll have I'll have sown enough seeds of discontent around Manchester uh, that will hopefully help us on Sunday. I would love to stick around and watch, um, but uh, but yeah, travelling away to to a stag do and away to Manchester, my dog misses me, and so does my future wife. So I better actually spend some time with them on Sunday. <laughs> There's not that little part of you that goes, oh, I could just stay an extra night and just go oh. to the game. What? The snow? I can't move my car. Oh, I better go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that hasn't crossed your mind, mate. It has crossed it several times. Uh, but listen, uh, it, it's going to be a good game. We'll be back next time. Um, and What are you uh, doing in Manchester, by the way? I am performing at the Frog and Bucket and the Comedy Store, which is up there. So I've actually got three gigs on the Saturday. A matinee show, Comedy Store, back to the Frog and Bucket 
then I'll travel home for about four hours, however, however long it takes. So if you are traveling up around about 10 p.m. at night, uh, I don't know why you'd be traveling up there for the Sunday game, but do give us a wave because I'll be coming in the opposite direction. <laughs> in your Lexus that's just been serviced as well. So hopefully there's no breakdowns on the way up. <laughs> All could change, my friend. All could change. Uh, listen, a lot of fun. If you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure you uh, like, subscribe, and get involved with our socials. Yeah, very much so. That is at We March On Pod across Twitter and Instagram and probably TikTok, although we, we're terrible at posting anything on TikTok. And if you do want to also just send us a message, then you can do to We March On Pod at gmail.com. Until the next time, Tom. It's lovely seeing the pause on your nose as you press your face up to your webcam. Play us out, Saints Brass. (laughs) 